Hey y'all, prepared to be inspired today by the incredible Kristen Kubik on this bonus episode of Bedroom Talks. Kristen, a visionary, small business marketing consultant and fervent advocate for inclusive messaging has a heart for community building. Join us as we explore how Kristen is reshaping the business landscape, ensuring everyone has a seat at the table from overcoming personal financial hurdles to achieving seven-figure success, Kristen's story highlights the strength of resilience and authenticity. Tune in for an illuminating discussion on discovering your voice and crafting a brand that authentically represents you. Hey, y'all. Get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it. At least not thoroughly, anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi. I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author, and the creator of Bedroom Talks, Get Financially Intimate, a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer and let's unrobe this topic. All right, so I'm so excited to have another bonus episode and I am even more excited to have this conversation with Kristen. I had an opportunity to chat with her before this recording and we talked about a few things that really made me jump for joy and I cannot wait to get into them with you. So Kristen, thank you for joining us today. Um, I want to first give you an opportunity to start off and just kind of share a little bit about um, who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, first of all. I I have to say, I'm in love with the intro. The intro alone <laughs> sold me. I was obsessed. I am Thanks. Kristen Kubik. I am a small business consultant, and I do inclusive marketing strategy. And it was so important to me when I got my undergrad degrees in marketing to create, like you said in the beginning, create a seat at the table for everyone. Because if you're watching the video of this, you're going to see I don't look like hardly anyone around. And it's because when I started leaning into the authentic me, it was so much easier to create my own seat versus trying to fit in with everyone else. And I want that for this for literally anyone around me. I absolutely love that. And I cannot agree more. I'm very much the same way. I don't know how many times I've tried to, you know, fit in with this crowd or fit in with that crowd from high school to young adult and even now. But it 
it doesn't work because I am not like everybody else. I am very unique. I'm different. And it's just, it's just not going to work. Right. So, and I, I think we're, I think a lot of us are that way and we just don't always see it. So. I agree. And it's one of those things where even it, we especially don't see it because people don't allow us to see it. And I think like normalizing that it's, it's part of what's become really fun about this journey. Mm. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Look, we're only a couple minutes in and you already dropped the bomb. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into the conversation. And, you know, those of you who have listened to a couple of these guest episodes already, you know that we, we just kind of, we start off and where the conversation takes us, takes us. And this is real life and we don't do editing either. So whatever happens in the background happens in the background. We apologize ahead of time. Um, We will try to keep it to a minimum, but life is life, right? Okay. So talk to us because this is, you know, a podcast focused very much on um, financial uh, matters, mostly personal financial matters, but I incorporate business stuff in there because a lot of my people that listen to this podcast are very much um either entrepreneurs or they have side businesses they want to you know diversify their um assets so that they have multiple streams of income and things like that so um talk to us about what inspired you to embark on your financial journey and how has it evolved over time the short answer is i was getting divorced I was working at a small vet clinic and playing with puppies was so much fun and it did not pay well at all. And I had so many divorce bills piling and piling and piling up. On top of that, I had student loans. On top of that, I had, you know, my own bills because I had moved out. And I mean, there were just so many other things. I could not keep up. I was drowning. And Honestly, it was one of those things where I didn't even know where to start because it I had never learned about money. Mm-hmm. I had never learned about anything, the finances. I knew like, cool, a bank account. And if you go below zero, you're going to get an overdraft fee. So it's probably not a good idea to do that. But that was about it. And I graduated with two degrees, three degrees of like business and marketing. And I had no idea like, how to implement it. So I just started and then I started a side hustle and then I like that side hustle became my business. And it was so terrifying at the same time as it was like exciting. Like, and I'm sure like so many people can feel that way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, First off, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that. Um, there's, there's plenty of people that are going through things like that or have gone through things like that. And it's really hard to talk about and, um, openly share about those experiences. So I want to kind of get into, uh, I'm going to move into a certain place that I don't always get into as quickly with this, with, with guest episodes, but with what you shared, it makes perfect sense to go ahead and go here now. Um, Thinking back on the the divorce and the bills piling up, you've got, I don't know what I'm doing with my finances 
and I got to figure it out. But yet you're also trying to deal with these uh, emotions and feelings, you know, from the divorce and just the feelings of, oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So I want to ask if you're willing to talk to us a little bit about kind of how you managed all of that during the process between the emotional aspects and the practical aspects of managing your money during that season. Um, I cried a lot <laughs> and, and I wish I was kidding, but it's one of those things where I, I really took time to, and I used to hate when people told me to do this. So I apologize to anyone who feels like I'm that person, but like I had to take time to feel my feelings. Like if I let it bottle up, one of my favorite analogies is a jelly bean jar and every emotion, everything that happens to you, every like single little trigger, everything from a fork being too small or like you ran out of water and like you don't have any more bottles left or like whatever it is to the big things. Every little piece is a jelly bean. And when your jar gets full, it's going to spill out or it's going to bust or however you want to put it. I used to be really bad at letting the jar bust or letting it spill over into everything. But when I would sit there and actually like take the time to figure out why am I feeling like this? What does this mean? And does it actually mean anything about me or does the situation just suck? And that made it so much easier to balance everything. Right. And it really just made it easier to acknowledge the fact that some of this really, really sucks. And I can also look at a potential better time that I'm working toward. And that's that's probably the only like, I guess, real vision quote that got me through it. That's good. That's good. I love that uh, you kind of talked, brought up the realness of it, right? You know, I haven't personally been through a divorce, uh, been through some other situations that are also very emotional, but I know some people are processing divorces and things like that. And that too many times we tell people, you know, oh, just look on the bright side or look on the future or you know, things of that nature. And what I find when we tell people to do those types of things, we say, oh, you know, look on the bright side or um, trying to find a positive in it or whatever. Like we, people mean well when they say those things. However, what in essence you're doing is kind of dismissing the feeling. And when we push the feelings aside and pretend like they're not there, then we don't work through them. We don't recover fully. We don't heal from that thing, right? And then we can go into the next season of our life and we can have an even harder time because we still have these unresolved feelings. That's exactly it, honestly. And it's funny because my, this, it, it, this part isn't funny, but like the situation in general, like a few years later, my mom died. And mm -hmm. it's one of those things where had I not like learned to process my feelings at all, 
I would still be like that would have just broken the jelly bean jar. Honestly, that one specific thing alone, that wasn't even jelly bean. That was a brick. And it's one of those things where it makes you like look at the things that like you've been through and you go through and people do mean well when they say things like that. And God bless them. I love them so much when people would like look at me and go, man, you're doing so great. You're so resilient. It's like all of these things. I started hating that word Mm. because I know they meant well, but it was like, just let me have a moment to like, just acknowledge how bad this feels. And then I will get back on my stuff and, you know, my bank account won't just have $167 in it and I'll be fine. I won't just have to like pick between buying my dog food or buying like myself some groceries. Like there are going to be all these different times where I won't be in this situation, but also just let me acknowledge this, like, please. Yeah, absolutely. Acknowledgement is absolutely key in moving forward through the healing. So I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that I know there are people out there that are going through a difficult season right now that's got their emotions all replaced, whether it be a divorce or major health issue or, you know, it, it could be anything. And I can think of times when I was in probably my deepest emotional state. And I'm sure you could probably think of similar time frames, right? Especially during that season. My question to you is when you were probably, maybe your the emotions were higher, maybe you were, you were in your feelings a lot more on a particular day. Did you uh, take breaks and not make big decisions during that time frame, Or were you not really focused on that and we're still making decisions and if you did did you notice like any differences what the reason what i'm getting at is and i had to learn this over time when our emotions are higher especially for grief related things it's not best for us to make big decisions right and when we do we tend to tend to make emotional decisions that may actually make the situation worse or might not be the best decision for us. So did you kind of notice something similar and how did you maneuver through that? Oh, I absolutely noticed something similar. And there were times, honestly, where I would be in a place where I had to make a big decision no matter what. And there were times where I could back off for a minute and not make the big decision and I could wait. And I think there's a play in both. So when I did have to make the decision, it was, there was a time where I would have to look at it and pros and cons lists became my best friend, Mm -hmm. like during those times, because it helped kind of pull me out of that super emotional state and kind of back down to a more logical one. Like, obviously I was still in a like high emotion, high grief type state, no matter where it is. And at the same time, it kind of brought me a little back down to earth to where I was able to just function. And on times where maybe like I was still emotional, but I didn't have to make the decision. Maybe like I had a support system or like my 
second husband, he was fantastic during like when my mom died, for instance, and he was able to come in and say, hey, back off for a minute. Like, you're fine. I can do this. Mm-hmm. But I didn't always have him around. So there were times where I've had the push and pull, but it was about what can I do to kind of meet myself in the middle of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And I love that you brought up the support system too. I think it is so critical to, you know, have a support system. I know that there are, unfortunately, there are some situations where it's hard to have a, a strong support system. And I would say that even if you just have one person that you can lean on, um, trying not to overly lean on that person, but, you know, just going to them should I look like, I sometimes I don't have anyone else to go to. You are, you know, the best support system I have. Are you okay with me coming to you from time to time and just leaning on you and you know whatnot? Like it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit that you're having a hard time. Absolutely. And I wish we would normalize that even more, honestly. Because my support system through probably anything I've been through in the like the last five, six, seven years has been essential. And my support system has changed a little each time, but there's usually been like one constant. And that has been so important for me. And it's been wild to see like who could handle it, who couldn't handle things. And like maybe where did I lead on people too much? And that was enough at the moment. And I was fine with that. And I wasn't doing too much by leaning on people. I was doing just what I needed. And that was good. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. I, okay, kind of going on the same uh, path of thinking about the emotions and decisions. When when we're focused on or, or we're, we're looking at our finances and we're like, this is overwhelming. I don't know how it's going to work. This is too much. And we're already in a state of overwhelm thinking it's impossible. Right. And then bills come in the mail. Right. I know that. Again, I go back to some of my own personal experiences and and I go back to my experiences a lot because I know that I'm not the only one. I've learned that over time, right? So I want to share these things because I want someone else to realize they are also not alone. Mm -hmm. So when I would get a bill and I already felt overwhelmed in the finances, you know what I did with that bill? I let it sit there. And I didn't open it and I tried to ignore it. But the problem with that is when you ignore it, it only gets worse, right? So again, did you have similar experiences and you know, how, if, if you did, how did you kind of bring yourself to a place of going, okay, I know this might suck, but I'm going to have to look at it and and work through it. Oh, my God. Someone's going to throw their phone when they hear this. (laughs) I, by the time I got done getting divorced and actually got like everything settled throughout my divorce, I think I concentrated on paying the bare minimum 
-hmm. and then my lawyer and that was about it by the time I actually got done and looked at what actually had come in the mail I was $42,000 in debt and that was like student loans that was stuff my ex-husband had run up in my name that was like all these different things and I had I think I just cried for like three days because I just I was so overwhelmed that I had no idea what to do or what even like it meant and that was the product of me ignoring it for like a year and it still makes me cringe to this day but I know like other people have done the same or are currently doing the same and whenever I saw that I immediately started making it a point every week to sit down and just look at everything that I have and everything that needs to be paid off Mm. and I would create like these money dates And what I would do is I would create like a really good atmosphere. I would like light my favorite candles or like make um, maybe like put on something in the background like Golden Girls. That's always my favorite (laughs) or like get some really good coffee, like whatever it is. But I would make a point to make sure that people or that I was really going for at least acknowledgement is a really good way to put it of what was going on in my life. Like, what do I have in my bank account? What do I have in loans? What do I have like in debt in general? Like what is in credit cards? Why do I have these credit cards? Like I didn't even know that some of them had existed. Mm -hmm. And so like, it was just, it was so overwhelming that that was the only way to even just get a handle on it. Because then I could figure out minimum payments. Then I could figure out like what can I actually afford and what do I need to figure out how to get the payment down on or hopefully get rid of. Mm. I just there's just so many things in what you just said that are just speaking to me right now. First off, let me go back to the money dates um, when you started sharing about like the uh, this the scenery, the scene that you were creating for this money date. I was like, hmm, that resonates really well with this bedroom talks podcast. <laughs> it does. It does. It's, all about, like, it's all about like getting it's very much like you talk about getting intimate with your yes. finances and creating that ambiance. And yeah. oh my God, it helps so much. Yeah. I mean you, you gotta get here's the thing. It's your money. It's your money. You have to get personal with your money. When you get personal with your money, it becomes more real. You become more engaged in it and more active in it, right? And and the thing is, you know, yeah, you sat down and you had to go, okay, what's going on? What do I have? You know, what do I have in debt? What do I have in, you know, income, different things like that. And you had to start putting a plan together, right? But you sitting down and going, okay, what's going on was step number one. Step number two was building the plan. And then from there, what you decided I'm not going to stay in this was working toward that plan continuously and not giving up. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the not giving up is like the hardest part too. Cause every now and then you just look at it and go, Oh, I'm so far away. 
Yes. You know, and it's here's the thing about that mindset. I talk to people about this all the time. And I like to explain the this analogy of a hiker going up a mountain. Okay. When you're hiking, a hiker that's getting ready to go hike up a mountain is number one, they're going to do it prepared. Okay. They're going to have plenty of water, plenty of food, plenty of rest. They're going to have breaks planned. They're going to have practiced certain things beforehand, right? So all of that's going to take place first. On the financial side of things, that means, you know, sitting down, having everything together, knowing what you have going on. What are your tools you're going to use, you know, to help you manage everything, you know, and what what research did you do ahead of time to help you understand how to put it all together right but also a hiker doesn't take when when they go hiking like it's it's one step at a time to get to the top of the mountain it's not huge leaps of four and five and if and, and you know after five steps they're at the top of the mountain that's not how it works it is one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. And they like in order to get there, they have to start. I love this analogy. I think it's actually very perfect for this. Like honestly, because that's exactly how it feels. Like so so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it if you don't start, you're never going to get to where you want to be. And it's the same thing with the finances. If you're in a place where you're overwhelmed with your finances for whatever reason, whether it has something to do with somebody else or just a place that you came into, like what happened to me, you got to start somewhere and decide I'm going to keep going even when it gets hard. Otherwise, you're going to stay in the same place. And none of us really want that. Exactly. And I think like a big reason like the starting is so hard is because it is so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like it is so uncomfortable to just take that first couple of steps because even looking at it is it puts you in such a weird, it's a weird mindset because society has put this like guilt shame spiral for people having debt or people like not having a certain amount of money and it's in reality for so many of us it's just real life that it should be normalized and the more we talk about it the more we actually like know the ins and outs of our finances especially as women right like i i know men also have this issue but like for women it is so taboo to talk about because mm-hmm. it is it's horrifying for the thought of a female to like not have her stuff together for lack of better words yeah and i think that like normalizing that in general even with yourself is a really really big thing to do but it is uncomfortable at first yeah i want to like, you you brought up a really good point about the women um you know women needing to know what's going on with the finances, needing to know how to manage finances, things like that. And you're right there for years, like it wasn't a thing. And over 
you know, the last probably, you know, decade or so, it's more uh, talked about and more focused on that us women, we really need to be understanding what's going on with the finances. Um, I'm curious in your, your first marriage, and you, know, you talked a bit about during divorce, you weren't really sure what to do with finances. Did, did he manage everything? And if he did, was it by choice or is it just because that was what he wanted? Was there anything like that going on? So in, and I'll try not to like dive too much into this, but, and as more of a trauma awareness thing, but gotcha. we had a very like domestic abuse type situation. Uh, okay. And so it was very controlling. And one of the like big ways that I was controlled was through finances. Mm-hmm. And like he had a separate bank account and that's where he would get his paycheck deposited. And then he would give me like an allowance every month. Okay. And, but the allowance was like barely enough to like do anything with. So it was, yeah, he took control of the finances in a way that I never would have like remotely had any say in whatsoever. We're like now for perspective, like my husband and I, we have a joint account, but then we also have our own accounts for like fun money or like like my business accounts or things like that. Yeah. So it's it's a very different like situation and it's it, it's always interesting for me to look back on because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you go, I probably never would have done that had I been like right this right. version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And um yeah, and again, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that. Um I I kind of just asked that because I know that you know there there are preferences out there. Some people are just like I just am not good with the money. So I'd rather you do it. And other people are just kind of like, well, I prefer to be more in control. And so not that they're controlling per se, but they just want to be more in control of it. But I honestly, I try to encourage everyone, especially when I'm working with people who are married as even if you're not the primary person managing the finances, that you should be involved in those discussions. There should be at least once a month you're sitting down with your partner and talking about the finances. Like, okay, what do we have? Where are we at? How are we doing with the debt? You know, what do I need to help you do do to be able to accomplish our goals? You know, things like that. Those discussions have to happen no matter who is the primary person doing the finances oh my gosh those discussions are imperative in my opinion because like even now I'm I'm probably the primary person who deals with our Mm -hmm. household finances and it's just because I have like I have my business finances anyway so I just threw Mm -hmm. my house like our household in like a separate spreadsheet and I just keep track on it every month but my husband also still like we'll have discussions almost weekly actually like I I I still pretty much do a money date at least bi-weekly at this point. Nice. And it's one of those things where we still have discussions all the time of, all right, here's what's gone out. Here's a big purchase like we needed to make, but it's like, maybe we should stop spending a little here or, hey, I had to take this out of savings. Let's make sure we put it back, like type thing. Yeah. But we always have some sort of something knowledge-wise on our finances together. 
I love that. And I also love you. You mentioned about how you guys have your joint account, but then you have separate accounts. Cause that's another question that people ask me all the time is, well, we're married. Should we have, you know, what should we have the same account? And I'm like, honestly, that's your choice. It's your preference. I know that there are a lot of people out there that would be like, Oh no, you have to have the same account. If there is a, um, uneasiness, I'm going to call it an uneasiness with only having one account and both, you know, both people being on that account and you not being able to have your own separate account, there's going to be frustration and trust issues and potential arguments from that. So I would say in that particular situation, if you feel like I'm not really sure if I'm, if I want all of my money in the same account, then do a situation like you have going on where you have the one main account where all the bills are paid out of, and then have each of you have your own accounts where you can do certain things with, and you still have to have the discussions with each other on what's going on with the finances, but it, it, it just kind of, um, help. I think it helps in that regard a little bit more personally. It, it definitely helps you feel like you have some freedom, right? right? Like you don't have to run every little like Red Bull purchase past someone. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where like me and my husband, we both take out money monthly and we call it our fun money. Mm -hmm. And what he does with his, I don't care. But like if he comes to me and he says, hey, I'm out of money and it's like the 10th, I'm going to be like, babe, would you spend it on? And he's like, well, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, okay, fine. So like, maybe we hold back next month. And he's just <laughs> like, oh, no, you're definitely right. And I just really wanted to do this, like these couple of things. And I went, all right, cool. Like, it's just one of those things where it gives you freedom, which I desperately needed after like my first marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because like his dad was, he, his dad was that person. His dad was like very patriarchal, very like only one account. He, his mm -hmm. dad didn't want us to have a joint account at all. So like, it was one of those things where like, when we did get a joint account, his dad was like, why would you do that? And we were just like, cause we don't have any secrets. Like we're good with each other. Mm -hmm. And we also still have our own accounts. And then also, and, and not that I love talking about this, but life is life, right? And none of us are promised tomorrow, unfortunately. So if one person is the only person that has access to everything and you're not talking about those things and God forbid something happens, what are you going to do? That's exactly what happened when my father-in-law died. Like mm -hmm. he was the only one who had access to anything. And then me and my husband were the ones who got put in charge of everything. And we didn't have access to anything. Like we didn't have access to like the cars. We didn't have access to the accounts. We didn't have access to his computer. We didn't have access to literally anything. It took us over a year to get mm -hmm. like money or access to like stuff from my mother-in-law. And she didn't even know that there was a mortgage or that Verizon was someone who paid the phone bill or yeah, it was hard. Ooh. It was hard. Ooh. Okay. So if you're listening to this right now, please, 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 please. If you're not the primary person manager of finances, please at least 
do your best to figure out where information is so that you can manage things in an emergency situation. Okay. Right. Just have so the conversation. <laughs> like write it down, do something. <laughs> yes. I don't care if you write stuff down and put it in a waterproof, fireproof safe that you keep inside your house. I have a very small one myself and I keep certain important documents in there. Whatever you got to do, just know where to access information if an emergency happens, please. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was hurtful. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so you brought up your, your business finances a few times as well. And that's another thing, um, especially as a fellow entrepreneur and you know, I've got my full-time job and I've got my business on the side. And so there's like a mix of different things going on. Um, was it was it a challenge for you as you started? You started figuring out stuff with your personal finances. You started the business and you had the business finances. Were you able to easily kind of maneuver both or integrate both of them? Or were there certain, um, was it, I, I should say it like this, were there any tips that you want to share on how you worked through that and are managing, were, began to manage the two of them separately? Um, my number one tip is if you can't afford an accountant, I'm not shaming you. That's fine. I could not afford an accountant at first. Um, if you can't afford an accountant, get really familiar with spreadsheets because that is the only way I could separate anything out. And if you're not able to separate anything out, you're it's it's not going to work. Like you're going to end up intermingling everything, and it just it's so confusing, especially come tax time, that I I was in such crap the first probably year or two. And I I was horrified. And I was so thankful that like my brother ended up graduating with his undergrad probably a couple of years after I did and then went on to get his CPA because he was just able to at least help me untangle it all so I could go get an actual CPA. <laughs> <laughs> because oh my gosh it was it was awful trying to untangle it all because I royally messed it up mm. wow um so I'm thinking about oh you you talked about accountant I, I mean I have a, a bookkeeper essentially the same thing and I did the same thing I had I was managing things on a spreadsheet first and I had everything in my own personal account first. Right. But I was kind of, I had separate spreadsheets for the personal expenses versus the business expenses. And now I do have a business bank account. I have an LLC. I have a bookkeeper that helps me stay on track. She is a lifesaver and I don't know what I would do without her. Um, but absolutely spreadsheets in the beginning or some way to write down the differences on, you know, these are my primary business expenses. These are my personal expenses. Um, and if you are not sure about how to get a business bank account, just start Googling. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> just start Google. Google became my best friend, really. Like I, I always call it Google University <laughs> and YouTube University because man, I became a pro at them both. 
And that yeah. was how, that was how I did probably my first year of business was yeah. I, I barely knew anything about running a business. So that's mm -hmm. how I would do almost anything. If I had a question, it was either Google or YouTube. Show me how to do yeah. one or the other. <laughs> Yeah. And not just going with the first thing and saying, oh, this is it. Like do that. research. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. you're going to find all kinds of conflicting things, cohesive things. Like they're all going to be mm -hmm. interesting to say the least. Yeah. And then there might be something where you're, you find something and you're like, I don't get what they're saying. Well, do some more research and find somebody with information that you do make that does make sense to you. Yeah, that's exactly it, honestly. Um, so I kind of want to ask if you, we'll say it like this, what advice would you give to somebody who is just starting off their journey toward financial empowerment and abundance? Oh my gosh, be patient. Like, be patient with yourself. <laughs> be patient with the process. And then just give yourself grace because it is a hard process. It was not easy at all. And honestly, I think the, as I dug myself out of debt and as I actually started making money and keeping a profit and then eventually crossed over like the six figures, the multi six figures, the seven figure mark, it was so hard for me to look at that and go, yeah, but how do I not spend it all? Mm. And so that mindset shift was so hard to make, but it was like patience and compassion and grace that literally saved me from doing those mistakes all over again. Mm. I love that you said that about, um, you know, asking yourself, how do I not spend this all? That's really hard when you're, especially if you don't have a full-time job and your business is your full-time job and you start yep. making money. You're like, oh my gosh, this is exciting. Like managing that emotion is the same as managing the fact that, hey, I have a full-time job and I just got a promotion. So now I have more money, right? That's exactly it. And it's, oh, it's, I think the first time I ever got like paid a big amount, I spent almost all of it because I was like, oh yes, I can afford a vacation and then I can afford like some new clothes. And then like, all of a sudden it was like gone. And then I went, oh no, what happened? Cause that should have theoretically lasted me like three months. And I was just like, oh no, okay, uh, redo. So then I had to like go back to like hustling. And then it was like, yeah, but how do I keep this from happening again? So I had to like go back and relook at, okay, but why? Why did this happen? And it was like the same process of like being a mm -hmm. dead. Okay, so why did this happen? What are we going to do about it? How do we keep this from happening again? Money mm -hmm. date. So it was <laughs> the I whole thing all over again. I love it. So money dates, not just for our personal finances, but also for our business finances. Always. Mm, I love it. I love it. And thinking about this, this aspect of, you know, we're, we're earning money and, you know, entrepreneurs and, and whatnot. One of the things that I hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk about or say when it comes to their business is pay yourself first, pay yourself first. Okay, let's get real. 
um, it's not always possible to pay yourself first because your business runs on systems and processes and tools and databases, right? That costs money to run. And so just like your expenses in your personal finances and, you know, your mortgage has to be paid, your electricity has to be paid, your car payment has to be paid, you have to get food, you know, things of that nature has to be done. So when we do the pay yourself first mindset, we can end up putting ourselves in a place where we don't have enough money for the things that are necessary to run the business or necessary to run our household. And honestly, I think the profit first mindset can be good when you have a profit first. <laughs> when you're like in your business and you're building and you're not to that profitable place mm -hmm. yet to where you can decide how much you want to pay yourself and pay yourself mm -hmm. first. You have to remember that you still have bills. It is mm -hmm. the exact same. It, this is your tiny little house. Your business, it's your tiny little house. And now you have house bills. Mm -hmm. You've got to pay like, I don't know, like a business coach or you've got to pay marketing or you've got to pay like your Zoom. Yeah, you've got to pay <laughs> Zoom and you've got to pay like all of these different things. And then yeah. you've got to pay taxes just like you do with your house. So it's like, I mean, I guess unless you're in Florida, but <laughs> then it's like, then you can, if you have money left over, it's fun money. So what do you want to do with it? Do you want to go back in the business or do you want to pay yourself? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's your tiny little house, but you have to treat it like it is. Exactly. Exactly. Now let's, let's talk about that where you said, you know, when you, you make a profit and you've got this fun money, you can decide what, you know, do you want to put it back into the business? Do you want to do it, you know, take it for yourself? Do you have a personal, like, percentage or something like that that you focus on and say okay this this percentage is going back to the into the house or excuse me the business and this percentage is going to me so i do um personal i do i think my actual business expenses are around 10 percent, and then my um i taxes i set aside 30 percent a month and then I set aside the rest. I I only take out about, I think it's around 60,000 a year. Mm. So no matter what I'm making, my salary pretty much stays the same. Unless wow. I just need to up it for like personal reasons. I only, I honestly, it's one of those things where I don't really care how much I'm making. It's, I have a lifestyle that I want to stay in. Mm -hmm. And I like, and if I want to take out like a bonus to like maybe go on a vacation, I can do that. But everything else will go into like a business savings account, or even I might take a little extra out per quarter to put in my personal savings account. And like, but it's, I've got so many different places where things will go, but I personally only take out 60 grand a year. Mm. I, that is, Amazing. That is amazing. I, I love that because it's kind of this this thought process of, yes, I'm making a lot of money, but I don't have to live like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You live living on less. Not 
like you're living poor you're just living on less because that's what you're comfortable at but also you're realizing the big picture too exactly and it's one of those things that that alone has allowed me and my husband both like we could retire right now and it would be fine and i'm 32 years old and i'm set financially until i'm 85. that's amazing yeah like it is it's because like we've thought about the long term and i continue to think about the long term Mm -hmm. and when you're playing for the long term you're not thinking about like the nicest car or like the new gucci bag or not that i don't love me a good bag like let's be honest here (laughs) but like the wildest thing i do every month is go get my hair done and even that's not like an insane amount so Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so we are getting closer to the hour, and I want to take a few minutes here to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about your business. So I want to give you, you know, a moment to share, you know, kind of maybe some kind of practical strategy in relation to what you do as your business, what kind of advice you you would give to somebody um, from a business perspective and then uh, go into what it is that you offer to people. Do you have freebies? Do you have a program? What services do you have? And how can they connect with you further? Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. So first things first, please come find me on Instagram. I'm more active on there than anything. And my Instagram is at Kristen Unfiltered. I love DMs. I love hanging out with everybody. I'm not one of those people that will block you if you DM me. So please feel free. Um, I love talking about building your business, building your community with inclusive messaging. And a large part of that is because I talk about the average Joe. And the average Joe was built by corporations and companies back in the 60s and the 70s for No, more than that, actually. It was like the 20s and the 30s, I think. And it was built around the specific working white farmer. And I love that for them. And it never evolved. So it never evolved to include women. It never evolved to include people of color. It never evolved to include the LGBTQ. And that's a lot of what we're changing is we're starting to talk about marketing differently. And when we're talking about like our content, it's more about the way we think about people. And it's not just about another sale, it's about how can my product, my service, my coaching, whatever it is, how can it benefit someone's actual life? And it's not about focusing on their pain points. It's about focusing on their actual lifestyle, which I love to do. I think it's just so much more beneficial for people as a whole. So one of the things I really get people to do, my clients included, I have a build your brand ebook and I sent Michelle the link. I'm super excited about it. Mm-hmm. And it is a pay what you can ebook. It is, you can pay as little as $5. You can pay the whole amount. It does not matter. But I want that to be accessible. I want it to be affordable. And 
I want it in as many people's hands as possible because it's really going to help you determine and really diversify your brand. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, just talking about the not, not just the diversity, because diversity is extremely important to me, but also marketing to their lives versus their pain points. I love that. I'll, I'll be honest, there are times in, you know, in my journey so far as an entrepreneur where I'm like, what do you mean their pain points? They're frustrated. Like, what else do you say about that? They're, they're frustrated. <laughs> they, they don't want to be, they're frustrated and overwhelmed, period, right? But thinking about it like that, it makes me go, huh, yeah, they're frustrated and overwhelmed. They do want a nicer car. They want those Gucci bags. You know, they want, uh, what's the most popular shoe brand? I don't know, right now. Air Force right now was probably the dad do balances again. Yeah, sure, there you go. I love it. <laughs> so like focusing on, hey, when you get your stuff together using these strategies, you can have those things. That resonates more because people don't want to be like, pay your debt off because you shouldn't be in debt. Okay. And? I know I'm overwhelmed with that, but why? Who like, you know, it, it makes it makes you think a, a, a different perspective. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking out your stuff too um, for myself because. Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much. I've really really enjoyed um, having you here and having this discussion. And again, thank you for your vulnerability, your honesty. Um, your openness in this conversation. That's exactly what this podcast is all about. Um, everyone, all of Kristen's information is going to be in the show notes. Uh, you, so you should have the, a direct link for her Instagram, for her ebook her, that she mentioned, and whatever other links that she has provided to me. Please go check her out. Give her a follow. Don't forget to uh, like, comment on, and share this podcast episode as well so that we can get this information, this mindset, this word out to more individuals and help even more people to become financially free and live an abundant life. Thank you for listening to the Bedroom Talks podcast and we look forward to hearing, being with you again soon.